Welcome to the Fresh's Word Podcast. I'm your host, Kay Fresh. It's February now, February 1st, when you first listen to this, when I'm dropping this. And we got some wrestling news, and we got a great show coming up for you. Uh, first, to start off, a little bit of some sad news that just hit the net. The best there ever is, best there ever was, and the best there ever will be. Bret Hart just announced via his uh, Facebook page that he is battling prostate cancer and is going undergoing surgery next uh, next week to, you know, battle try to battle it. So that's uh, pretty sad. He's been go- he's gone through a lot of things. He had a devastating career and concussion, bunch of surgeries. Two knee replacements, two hernia hernia operations, surgery on his surgery on his right elbow, uh, and even just recently he had to some surgery on his wrist. So he's definitely been banged up for all that all that time of greatness in the, in the ring. You either love him or hate him, but he's definitely one of the best to ever do it in the world of pro wrestling. So here's hoping here's a lot of love and speedy recovery and another defeat by Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, and some more happier news. Uh, this weekend I went to, to uh, NXT Detroit at the Royal Oak Music Theater. And oh, it was one of the best shows, best wrestling shows I've ever been to live. Like, just the whole spirit in there was just electrifying. Uh, some of the big, the big, the biggest pops of the night was for Enzo and Cass. Always, uh, Johnny Gargano got, had a good pop. Uh, there was a match between Ty Dillinger and Sami Zayn. It ended. The match had to be stopped because Ty Dillinger got injured, and I, I looked back the video on that online later on. It, it was ugly. Uh, Bailey, of course, got a huge pop uh, in her match against Nia Jax. Uh, Dash and Dawson, they got a huge. They were uh, they. They, they were. That was a good match with uh, American Alpha. American Alpha def, definitely had the crowd on their side, especially Chad Gable. Uh, the, the main event was a fatal four-way: Apollo Cruz versus Baron Corbin versus Samoa Joe versus uh, Finn Balor. That all the way around, people were on the side of definitely Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. And uh, yeah, Finn Balor won by pinfall after doing a coup de gras on literally everybody. Everybody was stacked on top of each other, and he did a coup de gras on them all. It was definitely an amazing event. Uh, the Chancellor and Bailey's uh, match against Nia Jax were amazing. The, hey, we want some Bailey. I wonder if she knows or anybody knows where that's what that's a reference to. Hint, two live crew. Um, they also, a crowd started uh, redoing Bismarcky's Just a Friend for Bailey. Like, oh, Bailey, you, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. But you say he's just a friend. That was the best one. Plus, somebody threw in a threw in a, a Bailey Club, like the Bullet Club t-shirt into Bailey, and she put it on. It was, it was amazing. But over and all, it was just, like, an amazing event. And if you ever get a chance to go to see NXT, oh, my God. Amazing, you know. And speaking of NXT, uh, during one of the recent tapings for a future episode, they did drop some big news for the world of professional wrestling. 
they announced the debut of Shinsuke Nakamura into NXT. One of my favorite wrestlers currently. Uh, he just, you know, he just uh, did his farewell match for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, apparently for NXT Dallas that's going on, NXT TakeOver Dallas that's going on WrestleMania weekend, he's going to be making his NXT debut against Sami Zayn. Oh my goodness. Dude, I can't even wait for that. It's going to be, it's going to be emotional. And speaking of Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, <clears throat> a couple days ago, on, um, it was January 30th, he had his farewell match in New Japan Pro Wrestling at uh, Kirken Hall. And, oh my, <sighs> dude, like, I was emotional because watching it on New Japan Pro Wrestling World, like, they did this whole vignette, this whole package of his whole career. Um, all the all the matches, all his best matches, all the titles he's won, and it was very emotional, man. I I oh I I, I teared up, and even at the end after the match, because uh, they had a six uh six man tag, with pretty much everybody who he ever battled with, or against, in New Japan Pro Wrestling that's still there, was in the six man match and. At the end, just like Okada was in tears, and they, um, they, you know, they, he, he went off, uh, he left the, the arena on the shoulders of Okada. They really get, you know, gave him the respect. Uh, the whole crowd when he was coming out just went nuts, uh, and they all had, uh, little signs that said, Yow! I was like, Oh my god. I, like, if you can, if you can find, if you can, if you have New Japan Pro Wrestling World, and can watch that, or if you find it on online somewhere, then it would be uh, just watch it. You're gonna tear up somewhere. You're gonna tear up if if you love pro wrestling. You're gonna you might cry a little bit because it's so emotional. Okay, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna get to the interview of the week. is It was an awesome interview with uh, Trevor Sternad, the lead singer of the Detroit area based black metal band, Black Dahlia Murder. Uh, I did this interview uh, probably in mid-December, just before uh, they were about to do a show at the Majestic Theater, part of the Black Christmas uh, uh, show there with a ton of other Michigan bands. And I went to the show. They were awesome. They have a new uh, album out called Abysmal, and it's it's really dope. They're, they still got it. They I love them. They, it, it was, and it was really good to talk with Trevor. We... We kind of went back and talked about the beginnings of the band and what other bands were around, how there, there really wasn't a metal scene at the time, so they kind of had to come up in the hardcore scene and how that influenced the band. Uh, so they, they still have this sort of link between the metal scenes and the hardcore scenes, uh, which they kind of you know go about. So we talked a lot about that and talked about the, um, what's going on with the new music and whatnot, what they still try to do, and how big of nerds they all are. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was super good to talk with them. So uh, let's get to the interview with uh, Trevor Sternad of The Black Dahlia Murder. Right on, dude. How you doing? Good, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Just uh, chilling at home and some rare time off right now. Right, yeah, you guys are in between tours. Uh, yeah, we just uh, wrapped up the first half of the indie merch thing that we put together 
And uh, it was killer, but I'm looking forward to the uh, second half, definitely. You and Brian have been with the band since the beginning. When you uh, look back, what really sticks out to you about those early years of, you know, the band starting out? Um, I guess just how green we were. You know what I mean? Like, we wanted to tour and be, you know, a band that had albums coming out, you know, and stuff like that. Like, a real band, but we just didn't know how to get there in the early days. We spent the first three years just kind of kicking around Michigan and driving all... I would say we'd show up to the to the show in four vehicles full of instruments. So right. in the in the early days, you know, it was just typical local band stuff. You know, we didn't have any money for a vehicle. We didn't have, um, I don't know, we just didn't, you know what I mean? We didn't know anything yet. So I know when I think back there, it's it, it's insane to me to think that that's even the same band as this. But yeah, we were young once, man. I remember when Brian was still in high school and he was graduating and stuff, like when I first was getting with the BDM and everything. So, yeah, I remember when we were regarded as a young band now, you know, and now I, I have uh, young bands coming up to us <laughs> that we're playing with and talking to us like we're old grandpas, you know. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah, when yeah, when the band started, when you guys were just kind of, you know, when it was just coming together, you know, what were what were all you guys doing at the time, you know, why did this band happen? Um, I think it was I mean, it just started for fun, I, you know, and it I still, you know, do it for fun. It's 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 awesome, I you know. But uh it was just out of necessity for me, I think, and I think probably for the others too, you know, just some kind of outlet of you know, something positive to do that's fun. Uh, to kind of blow off some steam. And, you know, we're all definitely all nerds, you know, so I think that kind of brought us together too. We <laughs> didn't really, really even fit in in the uh, the scene around here, you know, which was largely a, uh, you know, a hardcore scene. But uh, there, was, there wasn't much of a metal scene to speak of, you know, uh, around here. So, you know, we cut our teeth by playing lots of hardcore shows. And, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, but like I said, we didn't definitely didn't fit in around there. And uh, I think, you know, we were just brought together because we were like the outcasts, you know what I mean? But uh, when we first got together, man, Corey was, the drummer was 16. Right. So, I mean, we were pretty young. I was the old man then, and I'm, I'm back to being the old man now. We, we did <laughs> have some older members for a second, but uh, yeah, I'm the, uh, the old guy now. 34 years, farting dust. Oh yeah, I'm the same age. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, it's all downhill now. Now we're getting really hungover, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, man. <laughs> when um, you're kind of you know you're just talking about you know how there really you really not much of a of a metal scene around in Michigan, but you kind of cut your teeth in the hardcore scene. Sort of you know talk about you know how that scene was like around that time in those or in that early 2000s uh well it was mostly based around this place mr mugs that was an ypsilanti and um man we used to play there so much that we would come down friday you know open the show leave our equipment at the place and come back saturday and do it again on a different show <laughs> you know we were we were you know in pretty good with the owner and i don't know it wasn't you know, it's just like your standard kind of punk run DIY venue, you know, and we, uh, let's see, in the early days we played with Creationist Crucifixion. I remember that was a big deal then. Um, Circle of Dead Children, we used to play with them a lot and they were cool. So, I mean, so there was a metal, you know, aspect to the scene, definitely. 
And uh, at the time, it was like a lot of Willow Tip Records bands coming through, a lot of the early stuff there. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It was just it was fun, dude. It was really fun, man. You know, I remember sitting outside Mr. Muggs on the on the uh, sidewalk and just being like, okay, it's the same 30 people that always come that we know. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, uh, no hope that anybody was going to come to the show. And that's just kind of how it was, man. It's so weird to even think that was the same band, but. You know, like now um, that I've been away for so long touring and stuff, I mean, there's a really cool uh, metal scene that's popped up here in Detroit and a lot of really cool bands that uh, I try to go out and see when I can, you know, it's unfortunate enough to be home at the same time. But uh, there's definitely some cool shit here, man. Uh, shit fucker is awesome. Okay. Kind of like a Venom meets Gigi Allen, I would say. Yeah. And uh, they, they're just totally insane. Like, I've seen the uh, the singer, bass player dude, like, piss into the crowd and stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like just totally fucking nuts, man. Um, there's uh, our ex-drummer, Zach, has a lot of great bands. Um, Night, Nightkin is, um, has our old bass player as well, Dave, that was on uh, the second record, Miasma. And uh, it's sort of like BDM, I would say, Nightkin black yeah. and death metal kind of stuff. They're really awesome. Then he's got gut rot. Who's been going for a long time. Uh, shit life. Another band with shit in the name. Gotta love that. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of great stuff that's popped up around here, man, for sure. You know, and, uh, we definitely didn't have anything to do with it. We were gone. You know what I mean? Just doing our thing. And just, I was just tunnel visioning so long on everything that, um, I just hadn't realized about all the great stuff that was going on here. You know? Kind of in the comparison to where, you know, early on in, the, in your band's uh, career, there was kind of like a lack of metal, whereas there's, you know, more metal today. You know, what is it about like the, you know, Detroit area metal scene today that is like so vibrant about it? Um, I don't know what, I think it's just a response to how shitty the, the actual city is. You know, I think that people just want something cool to do, something positive to do, you know, and just just somewhere to go have a beer with your friends and hang out, you know, and I think that's kind of what the uh, metal scene is, you know, and it's um, a lot of the bands I have this kind of theme of being like from the ruins of Detroit, you know, like playing up the uh, apocalyptic nature of the place. So like a lot of the themes of the band, like Nuke, for example, is another really cool band. And uh, they sing about RoboCop, you know, he's supposedly <laughs> from Detroit, of course, right. and uh, Nuke being the drug from RoboCop 2. <laughs> so in a way, you know, like just Detroit kind of lent, lent itself to like, I don't know, their theme and their kind of, I don't know, it's, it's pretty cool, man. There's, there's a big group of bands and they're all kind of incestuous. And uh, Shitfucker, Nuke, um, Perversion. And they're all cool bands, and they're all kind of like on that crusty tip a little bit too, I would say. Right. While you guys were kind of like cutting your teeth early on in the hardcore scene, you know, what was it about that part of the scene that really influenced your band? I guess it was trying to keep up with the other bands. You know, we'd be playing on stage with a band, you know, like Bane or something. We opened for Bane, and we opened for Throwdown, and... um I guess just seeing, you know, we always liked hardcore too, you know, we were fans. I still do, you know? So I think it was just seeing the intensity of, of hardcore bands and like just how insane their live show was. And, you know, we just didn't want to be up there. It's just looking at our guitar necks, you know, like uh, 
tech nerds, you know what I mean? So I think it definitely influenced us to, to play hard and to go hard and kind of, you know, break down that fourth wall too, where you interact with the crowd, you know, like in my ideal show, I'm able to pull people on the stage, the stage dive and stick the mic in their mouth and make them sing, you know, if they know the words. And yeah. I mean, that's what I prefer, you know, and I, I would say that we learned that from hardcore, you know, and uh, just, just uh, the idea of the show just being like, um, I don't know, just a rager, I guess, you know, a party. So, you know, I, we were just trying to keep up, I think. So we just didn't look bad up there, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> How long did it take, you know, from the inception of this band to where you had some sort of clarity about how you wanted this band to sound? Um, I guess it was probably after the first demo. Uh, the first demo we did was more of a metalcore kind of style, I would say, and that we were really influenced by um, Prayer for Cleansing at the time, and they were like the pre-between-the-buried-in-me band. Uh, them, um, Undying. I mean, because at the time, there was a lot of... Um, metalcore coming out there was a lot of like you know extreme metal being married with with hardcore and i guess you yeah. know we kind of fit in with that that scene at the time with the first demo there but i i guess I, after that so uh i guess it would be like five songs in we wrote um the first song with no breakdowns and all you know it was all blast beats and stuff and all you know it was more metal than anything we had done up to that point and we kind of shed some of those um hardcore characteristics there and uh, then after that would be the first EP, which came next, which was the sixth, seventh, and um, I think that fifth song as well. So we put that out on a small label, and uh, basically from that, we were just trying to like get a rap sheet together, you know, get some reviews that we could take quotes from, and um, you know, just assemble some kind of a bio because we had our eyes on getting on a a decent label, you know what I mean? Um, right. Uh, will it, we pretty much sent materials out to all the players in the game, you know, from Nuclear Blast, Metal Blade, and Century Media on down. Yeah. And uh, 30 rejection letters later, we were about to sign with um, Willow Tip, you know, which was exciting for us. Definitely a cool label that I still watch and, you know, I'm still a big fan of. But, um, I mean, we were talking to Jason from Willow Tip, and things were going pretty well. And then we got a call from Metal Blade, you know, and we just at first thought it was a joke because it just took so long to happen after we sent everything. Right. And like I said, you know, 30 rejection letters had come already from all the other labels and shit. So it, it just was amazing, man. And that that pretty much was the turning point where it was like, you know, um, quit everything, quit your life and, and go on tour and never look back. And I think we're still there, you know? <laughs> right. Was it, do you feel like that, uh, getting that call from metal blade was sort of that, that event when you realize that the momentum of this band could, you know, go in a good direction. Whereas now you're, you're 15 years deep in it now. Uh, I think it was a little earlier than that. Like it was, um, some of the reactions to that EP I had mentioned. Okay. Um, we were talking to, uh, some of the bands that relapse and they were like, Oh, you know, the, the label's been talking about you guys. And I mean, that just blew our minds at the time, you know, we were just, and it was right about then that we kind of like, we're like, all right, dude, 
I think we can totally do this, man. We can totally get out there and at least tour, you know what I mean? And try to tour. That's like, what was the main goal at the time was just to be able to have somebody out of town, like your music and then bring it to them. You know what I mean? <laughs> wasn't a very lofty goal, but I mean, right. it, it wasn't, you know, huge at the time. And uh, just, you know, right about then it just started to seem like it got, you know, things were getting good. And that's when we had the idea of, you know, assembling this package and, the package would have the EP that I was just talking about. And then it would have uh, three demos of songs that were going to be on the first album Yeah, because we'd gotten John Kay on guitar around that time. And, uh, you know, that's when we first started having leads in the songs and we wanted to kind of show that off to the uh, labels and stuff. Right. So, so we sent the EP and we sent the, uh, the demo and we sent along a rap sheet, you know, talking about, you know, whatever we'd done, what bands we played with and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, that, I mean, that was the time when we started to get excited about things like, okay, you know, let's, let's just try it. Let's go for it. And what's the harm in reaching out to all the labels and, you know, it's better than just wishing, you know what I mean? So, but, uh, yeah, getting the call from metal blade was just everything, dude. It was like, wow, you know, he, he sees how passionate we are about leaving and going to take over the world. And, um, I don't know. He, uh, Slagle just always. I don't know. He just really liked the band from the inception and just have all, has always been really cool to us and always saw us as something special, you know, from the, even in our infancy. So that was a huge compliment. I mean, I mean, he's like one of the, uh, the reasons that metal is the way it is, you know what I mean? Having ties with Metallica and uh, Slayer and all these great bands and, you know, so it was a huge compliment and it still is to us that he uh, backs us so hard, you know? Yeah, early on, early on when you were when you guys were getting sort of that feedback from like Metal Blade and those other labels, what sort of feedback were you hearing about you know about about your band? Um, well, I mean, there was relapse when they rejected us. They said that they liked the stuff, but they thought that it was, um, I guess, too derivative. You know, and like we never, we've never claimed to be. Uh, a reinvention of the wheel or anything like that. I mean, it, the band is definitely a melting pot of the, the sounds that we like to, you know, to hear and play. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge insult or anything like that, but I mean, the positive stuff I think was just hearing I know, a melodic band. So aggressive. I think that was what was exciting to people, you know, and uh, that was kind of the niche we were trying to fill, I guess, was, you know, something between a, uh, at the gates and dissection and then all the like brutal American stuff that we were getting into that was really blast beat heavy and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just kind of marrying those things that we liked. And uh, I think it was the energy of the band and just how fast everything was flying by that, that, that was uh, the selling point then or something to be excited about maybe. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at the discography and it looks like just on a regular basis, you guys have put out albums every two years. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you feel like the band has, you know, progressed during that, uh, that time being with uh, Metal Blade? Um, I think the band's come a long, long way. I mean, when I look at the first record, you know, I still, I like the songs and I feel like we've definitely stuck to that same statement of being a melodic death metal band that's also aggressive but i feel like we've just gotten so much better at doing it over the years you know that we've refined the style and um 
injected a lot more songwriting and um, competence into what we do, I think. And it, it changes for me. I notice the change every two years. You know, every time the guys come back with new material, I'm really excited to hear it, you know, and uh, just to see where they're at. And it seems like just in the, in the, uh, the cycle there, two years of uh, touring and playing a million shows and hearing a million bands. And, you know, in our life, uh, things happen pretty fast, you know. So we write quickly, you know. We don't afford ourselves a lot of time at home to write sadly but um so you know we've been operating at this accelerated pace for a long time it's just kind of what we're used to now but um the two-year thing i think seems to be working really good man i think that uh people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter right and uh you know i think that um music being um largely free for everybody (laughs) is kind of helping that become more disposable you know so i think that for us just to keep keep stuff fresh, you know, have new artwork, new tours, new, new everything, you know what I mean? Just to keep people coming, keep people excited. And, um, you know, we like to create, you know, I like to, I love to, to uh, make new music with the band. And like I said, to see where they're at every two years, man, because they just keep growing and growing as players. And I think that, you know, Ryan and Brian, the guitar players definitely have influenced each other to become better, you know, just, uh, so, um, yeah, I definitely like to create with the band. There's no shortage of uh, creative energy, that's for sure. How do you guys, you know, go about, you know, writing and recording uh, new uh, new tracks each, um, each album cycle? Uh, well, it starts with uh, either guitar player will write the song in privacy of their own home, in their underwear or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, by the time that I get, I hear it, the song will be pretty much done. You know, it'll have um, both guitars, bass. Uh, they program the drums and they sound pretty good. And um, yeah, man. So by the time I hear it, it sounds like a professional song. You know, it's not quite the five of us just banging around in a room, you know, like we did with the first couple records, you know, and we were kind of forced to um, get with the whole pro tools era when we were um, looking for a drummer a few years back, you know, we had a, an album to write, we had a schedule to be on and no drummer at the time. So we were just like, okay, I think we have to learn how to, you know, use pro tools so we can just still, you know, be creating while we're looking for this guy. And uh, that honestly was like one of the best things we ever did because I think the songs since then have become way more developed, way more style and, um, you know, so it's a good thing. But by the time I get the song, like I said, it's almost done. And then I sit with it in my computer at my computer and uh, just write the lyrics into some kind of a word program and listen to the song a quadrillion times. Right. So, you know, it's not, it's, I mean, it's been going the same exact way now since the uh, third record, Nocturnal. That's when we were looking for a drummer for so long. But um, yeah, man, it's cool. We got guys that, you know, live outside of the state so we don't even really practice regularly anymore together at least so we'll get together like a a few days before a tour and uh you know hammer it out a few times for a few days and get back up to speed usually you know but there's a lot of upkeep that the band requires you know it's not exactly green day music you know what i mean so there's the drummer especially has to do a lot of uh practicing on his own to keep his chops up and shit because it's pretty olympic to play an hour and 15 minutes of crazy fast music you know oh hell yeah 
<laughs> how much uh, how much material do you guys usually go through before you know kind of trimming down what actually goes on the album? Uh, pretty much everything is kept. Uh, if there's something that we felt wasn't up to snuff, we would just you know rewrite it or retool it right from the get go. But but for the most part, everything that the guys bring forth, I think, is is awesome. You know, and we're not one of those bands that has like a lot of uh, unreleased stuff. You know what I mean? Pretty much everything we write is intended to go on the albums. And with this last one, though, uh, Abysmal, obviously, the uh, label in Germany was like, you know, guys, it would be really smart if you could give us some kind of a bonus, bonus material. And, uh, you know, because it's really it's it's even harder to sell a physical copy out there, it seems like, than it is here. Yeah. So they said that, you know, having bonus tracks and, you know, having stuff to, uh, to stick in the Americans' faces, I guess, would, <laughs> would be an incentive for them to buy the album. So we did write extra songs for the album. You know, there's uh, there's one song I think would have fit on it pretty good. Then there's a sort of a grindcore-style song that was fun. And then the last song is a joke song in German, you know, just totally trying to ham it up. <laughs> For the German fans. So, I mean, that's the first time we've ever done anything like that. But, you know, for the most part, it's just 10 songs and, you know, they're written one by one and we kind of decide where they fit in afterwards. And, you know, that's pretty typical for us. You know, talking about the new album, Bismal, uh, what was kind of like the general mood, you know, going into this album about how you wanted to, to sound in comparison to your previous uh, albums? Uh, there wasn't really much discussion on that front uh, as far as like, you know, a mission statement or anything like that. But there was definitely excitement when the material started to formulate and come together. It just seemed so, I don't know, like they just really kicked ass on the songs and it was just so exciting for me to hear, you know, and I'm in the band, you know, so it just inspires me to, to write you know, the best stuff I can write to try to honor what they've done. You know, I'm just trying to keep up as pretty much as far as I look at it with those guys. So, you know, once we had like three or four songs, it just felt so good. Like, wow, we really are writing a cool record here. And, you know, this is, it felt to me like the quintessential album that we'd done so far, you know, and it embodied everything that we'd done, but it had sort of a new flair you know, and if anything was different, I think it was just the recording approach to use a more live sound and not um, quantize the drums, you know, like move every single hit onto the grid on time, which is, you know, a lot of extreme metal has been doing this for the last few years, you know, and it's definitely a time saving thing and it's, it's easier to do, but we were just, you know, listening to all these classic albums and being like, why is, are these albums so good? What is the difference? You know, why, why do these sound so timeless? You know, I think then that was it, you know, just not making your, your band sound like a bunch of robots playing it, you know? So for us, keeping it a little bit imperfect this time, you know, it just made it more, I don't know. It's just more real sounding. It sounds more like when we play live and I think it, it captures the, uh, the energy of the band better than uh, any of the albums since the first one. And the first one was recorded in a similar live kind of approach. So kind of going back to that felt really good. Whether it's, you know, from a personal level or a musical level, you know, how do you feel like your other band members, you know, influence you? 
Well, you know, there's Brian who obviously has been here forever with me and he's like my best friend and, you know, just his, he's just undyingly devoted to this thing, you know? So I've definitely never felt alone in this campaign, you know, like we've all, we've pretty much sworn to each other that we're going to take this thing as far as we can. There's never, ever been a doubt in my mind that he was going to be there or he's going to be doing this thing with me. You know, it's just, we share that at, at the very, you know, the heart of this thing, if there's that, you know, and then there's uh, the other guys that have come in more recently. Um, Alan, the drummer, he's the youngest and the newest guy in the band. He just turned 26. So he's like my little brother, I would say, kind <laughs> of in the band. I sit next to him in the van all the time. And, uh, you know, we show each other new music all the time. And, and I kind of look out for him too, you know what I mean? Cause he's just young, you know what I mean? And, uh, but you know, having that kind of usefulness in the band, I think is, is cool and kind of inspiring for us as well. You know what I mean? To kind of just see how gung ho he is about everything. And he wants to go out and see every city and, you know, just do everything there is to do, you know, cause he's young. And so even that is cool. That's exciting for us. And Max, let's see, Max is uh, also one of the newer members of the band. He's been with us, I want to say, like three years now. And uh, yeah, he's just a killer bass player. He's an awesome friend. He works really hard on stage and definitely inspired us to turn up the uh, turn up the heat on stage. And you know, once we got him up there, it was like, man, this guy's a freaking beast, man. And I think it just made everybody more excited to be there doing it, you know, and uh so, you know, I feel like we're in pretty good form right now with Max and Max's inspiration there. And then I guess that leaves Ryan Knight, who is a you know, killer guitar player that's brought a lot of just awesome technique and ideas and knowledge into the band. And he's the most musically inclined of all of us, the most educated of all of us. So, you know, his techniques and ideas and just the way he looks at songwriting and everything has been largely influential on the rest of us and um you know he came in the band as a creative force you know where brian had written the first three records pretty much all by himself you know now we have ryan contributing songs as well and he's brought so much to the sound and so much to the fold that uh you know i'm just we're definitely just in debt to his comp contribution to the band so you know, the guys are awesome. They're my friends. I love them to death. You know, we've had a lot of people through the band, that's for sure, but uh, they've always been cool. You know, we, we never tried to just take somebody because they could play the stuff. You know, we had we always believed that they were going to bring something to the fold of the per, you know the personality of the band. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we always tried to take people on that were going to be cool to the fans, you know, that just, you know, we're just cool people, you know, and we have to be around them so much, you know, that you, you it's important to have a, a, a good vibe with your band, you know, a good, I can't even imagine being in a band full of hired guns and like not trusting each other or, you know, this has been a, a, a project of friendship for sure. This entire thing. Yeah. When you guys are on the road, you know, when you're, you know, kind of need a break from doing music type things, you know, what sort of activities do you guys kind of engage in? You know, what kind of, what, what do you do for fun? Um, well, we eat lots of junk food. 
there's lots of snacks and snack training. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much like uh, Halloween every day in the back of the van. You know, everybody <laughs> just got their candy. We're trading. You know, there's uh, some weed smoking. That's good for passing the time. There's right. lots of downtime in touring. Uh, video games, of course, you know, general dude stuff. Um, yeah, lots of video games. I'd say at, at any time there's somebody in the band is playing a Final Fantasy game. We've noticed that. <laughs> uh, you guys definitely are nerds. Yep, living it, <laughs> living it. When um, whether it's you know when you're on stage or before or after shows, you know what sort of energy do you see from your fans? Um, it's awesome energy. It's positive, man. It's uh, inspiring. You know, I, I try to interact with as many fans as I can. And, uh, you know, we've always been one of those bands that, that goes into the crowd, you know, and hangs out and, you know, watches the other bands and relates with the fans. And I think that that's really spoken to people a lot, you know, just saying, hey, man, we're, we're down on earth. We're on the same level, you know, like you're just as important to this whole thing as we are. You know what I mean? So... Man, I'm totally getting away from the question here. I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, you know... Um... Oh, it's the, the fan energy. Yeah. And, uh, man, just, like, seeing the devotion of some of these people to us, it reminds me of how I was with Megadeth. You know, they were, like, my first love as a band, my first love in metal, and I was just insanely obsessed with them, you know? And I see people like that for us. And it's just, it's awesome. You know, I see myself at 15 in the crowd a lot. You know, an introverted kid with wire-rimmed glasses that's definitely kind of a nerd. And, you know, metal is his thing, man. Metal is like what floats his boat, you know. <laughs> so it's cool, dude. It's definitely cool. What are some of the things that you hear from your fans? You know, how, you know, how does your band affect them? Um, Man, there's people that said that, have told me that my lyrics have saved their life. And I mean, that's just so heavy, but so awesome too. You know, uh, and if I could bring somebody some kind of relief in a moment like that, that's just huge, you know? And, um, even the songs I write that aren't really about, you know, personal things, you know, there's a lot of fantasy in what I write a lot of like, uh, assuming character roles of murderers and monsters and things like that. But I think that there's a, a common thread of like empowerment for the, for the character, you know? So I think people can relate to that as well, you know? And so, I mean, just people saying that, um, I don't know, man, that they would kill for us or die for us or, <laughs> you know, it's all exaggerated, I guess, of course, but, just a huge, huge compliment, you know? And, and like I said, man, just the, uh, there's no comparison for playing live and just the feeling of people freaking out and singing the words to music that you created yourself. And it's cool, man. It's like a high that you can't really get anywhere else. It kind of extended on something you just said. Uh, what, you know, what influences you personally to, you know, to write the lyrics that you write? Um, well, definitely it's all staked in the macabre, of course. And, 
I really look to metal of past, you know, like the old death metal. Uh, pretty much, I want to represent what I like about death metal and what I've liked about it since I was 13. You know, just cool artwork, zombies, werewolves, just all the cliche stuff that, you know, people would be like, oh, that's just so, you know, beaten to death. Oh, yeah. I just still love it, you know, oh, yeah. and I love to put my own spin on those kind of things, you know, uh, help, I'm stuck in a grave and I can't get out, you know, that's, that's funeral thirst, you know, that's, and, but it's also been so many other death metal songs, but I just love the classics, man, you know, and I like to kind of put my own poetic kind of twist on things. And um, I really enjoy writing for the band. Uh, you know, it's fun and it's definitely cool to have people hanging on to what I say, you know, and just expecting more, you know, when a new album comes out, you know, it, it can definitely um, be a little bit of pressure, you know, to have people waiting for what you're going to say. Okay. Yeah. To kind of close out this interview, you guys have been around for about 15 years now. When you think about that, like, how do you feel about that? It's amazing. It's awesome. I feel like it's gone by in about five minutes because it's been so fun. You know, I just, I see myself in the mirror and I go, Whoa, what happened? You know, the other day I was young, you know? <laughs> but it, it, it's been amazing, man. This has been beyond my wildest dreams. Like this is basically my dream just being perpetuated, you know, like I never thought that we'd be able to stay around this long and, um, endure the kind of coming and going of trends and and um you know i mean that was our ultimate goal to be able to survive so i mean that's what we're trying to do now is just keep doing what we're doing you know if the band never gets any bigger you know i will die happy a thousand times over man it's been amazing so far so you know i'm just thankful man for for everything great yeah, that's about it for the interview, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, you know chatting with me. It's been great talking with you, man. Oh, it was pretty fun, dude. I uh, haven't talked about those old days in a long time, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, shooting the shit with you about it. Yeah, man, me too, dude. Thanks a lot. So that was the interview with Trevor Sternad of The Black Dahlia Murder. Go pick up their new album, Abysmal. It's out right now on Metal Blade. Go see them they're in, their, in your town. Go see them live. They're awesome. They're quite mesmerizing live, actually. I really love to see them. That was the first time I actually saw them back in December. So I would definitely go to many more shows of theirs. Go pick up their whole catalog. They're a good fucking band. And very influential to our city's rock and metal scene. It was great to talk with Trevor. If you'd like to uh, support the Fresh is the Word podcast, you can go to our website, which is freshisthepodcast.com. And there's a link at the top that says support the podcast. And on that page, there is a PayPal link that you can donate to. Or there is an Amazon link on there that you can use anytime that you want to purchase anything on Amazon. Use that link, and after you make your purchases, Amazon will shoot some commission back to me. I'll just go to help the show. Also, I definitely appreciate all the listens, and if you definitely want to share the links to the website, freshisthepodcast.com, or any of the links on SoundCloud, that's definitely appreciated and will definitely help support the podcast. You can also reach Fresh is the Word on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word number 1. 
And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash crushesthepodcast and give us a like on that page. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, so go ahead and search Freshes the Word on there. and Go ahead and subscribe to us. And it also would be very helpful if you go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating and throw some comments on there. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.